0: Welcome into the Basketball Index podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are doing part two of my midseason player rankings. So there's a full article. You can see players, I think one to 148 are tiered, and then the top 48 players are ranked. And this is the podcast companion. We're going to go through each tier, talk about every player, because that's probably my favorite thing to do with basketball. So. When you're running the podcast, you get to pick the topic. So if you didn't catch the first uh, part one, we did A-plus players. That is MVP-level players right now. Jokic, Luka, Embiid, Giannis, and SGA were all covered. And today we're going to go through the A-tier of players. There are 11 players in this tier. These guys are – let's sum it up quickly – they're the stars of the league that are not currently like at the apex of the sport. They might have been there before. They might be there later. But the A-plus tier is players that are in the MVP conversation this year. And the A-tier is guys just right underneath that. We're looking at guys that are top 20 players, top 15 players here. And really, really high-end, really high-impact guys. Actually, this, <laughs> when you're younger when you're maybe not younger, when you're first getting interested in a sport, you tend to talk about the top players more often. And oftentimes with that, you are younger because you've been on the planet less, you know, you you know, the league less. (laughs) But I remember like, especially in high school, I would talk about the top 20 to maybe 30 players exclusively. That was what most of the conversations were. And the longer I've worked in the industry, the more my interest has shifted From top 20 guys, maybe top 30 to where I'm really interested in players that I would consider like B minus to C plus players. So if you think about it, like in 2K, a guy going from 77 overall to 80 or 81 overall, because that jump getting out of closer to average, to being like a really effective role player, or maybe a third piece on a championship team, whatever it may be, that for me is where the real money is in the NBA. Because if you can get those right in terms of roster construction, in terms of players being able to gel, you're able to have a multiplying factor instead of an addition factor, right? Instead of just combining players, all of a sudden you're getting some synergy out of them. So that's where my interest is almost all of the time. And it's interesting to go back to the top of the league because I think, on some level, I don't focus here because these players are more set in stone. They are oftentimes in their prime. There isn't a ton of change going on from seasons, you know, your age 28 season to your age 33 season. You're just really, really good. Most of the time, these players are not moving around from team to team. You know, Obviously, it does happen, but these guys are so valuable that it, there's just less transactions here. You're going to find a lot more players, like top 40-ish guys getting moved in that 30 to 40 range because, again, they're talented, but you're able to obtain them. Like Pascal Siakam comes to mind. He's a guy where he's definitely good. He's definitely a lot better than most of the league but again, you're able to get him at the trade deadline or in the off season. It's just an easier thing to kind of make happen because the, the, the assets are less because the player is less valuable. So let's talk about players in the A tier. Start with Stephen Curry. I have him at sixth overall in my player rankings. Last year, he was in the A plus tier. He got bumped down to the A tier this year. And it's just like a natural thing, aging curve, age 35 season. Still really, really good, you know, nuts three-point shooting, crazy offensive impact, playmaking still quite high. But when you're 35, you just can't do as much. Like, you're just not that tidal wave force every night. And then every year, you're going to see that just decline a little bit more and more. Curry's probably going to age better than most of the Hall of Famers in NBA history because of his skill set but that's something we've theorized for years and I'm interested to see how that actually does play out the defense in his 20s was pretty good in his 30s not as much and then on a team now that's not as good that it's just not where you're going to spend your energy bar if you're curry you're going to focus it more on offense. so the defensive impact has been down some of that has been just not being on the best team and I do wonder If the Warriors were humming, if they were one of the better teams in the league, if he would be bumped into the A-plus tier, because the numbers still all look really good. The offense is still super elite. The O-LeBron overall offensive impact looks good. There's a lot to like, not a ton to dislike. Finishing talent still really strong. I think it just comes down to his team just isn't very good. That's just really what it is. I've been talking to people a lot about the Warriors role players, been poking fun at the the second timeline, which actually has been better (laughs) this year, maybe the last month or two, but the team is just not good, and that is going to, especially when you're an older player, it's going to make things more apparent that maybe, you know, maybe if you're in a winning situation, if you're surrounded by elite talent, that's going to cover up some of your maybe, you know, warts as you get older, as maybe you're not as interested in, you know, maybe a Tuesday night or whatever it may be. It helps when you have, you know, some some all-star teammates to, to kind of help pick you up or carry you through those games. So, uh, Interesting one little note, Steph's defensive role has changed this year. The last two seasons, he's been in a low activity role, which essentially they're just putting you in the corner on the worst offensive player on the other team and telling you to stand still. Uh, this year, he's been a chaser, so he's been chasing shooters off screens more. I don't know, it could be an interesting uh, little nugget here, but moving on, Steph Curry, I don't have any real concerns about him. I would just say his ability to... Carry just an absolutely mammoth load night to night. You're seeing it start to decline a little bit because, again, he's 35, he's in his mid 30s, he's played a ton of basketball, ton of playoff games. And some of it is it's just really hard to do that over an entire regular season. And then some of it is you kind of got to pick your spots as you're an aging player. So, Stephan number six after that, we have Anthony Davis at seven. Big part of these player rankings is I take the last three years into account. It's not just this season. I would say it's three plus years. Like I guess I'd maybe take a little bit more into account. Other than that, if there's like a guy misses a year with an injury or something like that. But Anthony Davis, especially last year in the playoffs, his defensive game was just otherworldly. And then if you go back to 2020, his you know last big healthy season before that, another Unbelievable! I was gonna say Scrum True Scrum True Lessons. I was gonna to try to pull a a Will Ferrell quote out there, it didn't work. But <laughs> Anthony Davis has been unbelievable in the playoffs, in his two runs in 2020 and 2023, and then on top of that, has been a really good regular season player this year. Last year, there was kind of a two-year dip after the the championship with the Lakers where he just was not quite himself. A lot of it was injuries, missing a lot of time, but then it goes back to those were some not very good teams. (laughs) The Russell Westbrook experiment was pretty rough. That was was tough to sit through, but Anthony Davis playing at a really high level on both ends. The offense has definitely – it's not what it was, especially like 2018, 2019, 2020, but it's still good. He's still giving you a really great two way impact. It's just not as dominant on offense, I would say, but the defense is is still top notch, about as good as it gets in the league. So, Anthony Davis at seven, I would, you know, if you're you're picking him in a like we'll, we'll say like a, a a fantasy draft, right? If you're putting together a, a team and a dreamscape type scenario, and you want the ultimate defender for the playoffs. Anthony Davis is your guy. So that defensive versatility and value it's hard to move him lower on the list for me than seven. So Anthony Davis at seven. After that, Kawhi Leonard at eight. Kawhi is reborn. He's back. I think getting James Harden as a primary ball handler on the Clippers has you know, really supercharged everything. But Kawhi, healthy, back to playing. Everything seems good. It's one of those things where when you get dinged up and you kind of miss some time – You can forget how good a player is, and he had a weird situation because like he missed an entire year, and then when he came back, that was last season, they they slowly caught him into the speed of things where it was a little unclear. It was like, is this the team doing this? Is this him having to manage his injury? Is it going to be like this forever? But everything seems good now. Back to his dominant self. Scoring looks great, and just such a – man – His ability to just overpower players every play is crazy. And it's not the type of thing, like it's not Shaq catching the ball in the post, spinning into you and just moving your body. But it's little things on drives, getting to the mid-range. His ability to just move people is pretty wild. So Kawhi Leonard is a robot with uh, robot strength. Number nine, Damian Lillard. So when I put this list together, Damian Lillard was unbelievable last year on a really bad team in Portland. He comes over to the Bucs and kind of struggles out of the gate. And I didn't think much of it. The struggles have continued, especially from the field. From two and three, it just hasn't been as good. But one thing booing his value is an elite free throw rate and elite free throw efficiency so when you're doing that when you're taking nine free throws a game and you're making 90% of them you're basically getting like eight free points a game of like a hundred percent value it is really going to help your overall efficiency so Dame hasn't been as good but I still think this is sort of the Bucks trying to figure things out I don't know if they will but if they can get everything clicked in I think that might help him kind of start playing at his usual top offensive player in the league or one of the top offensive players in the league kind of value. So the defense, not good. It, it is, it hasn't been good for a very long time, but the offense, the playmaking, the scoring, the gravity, the three point shooting has been unbelievable the last few years. Again, this is a down year, but like people are talking about, like he doesn't have positive efficiency or like, he's still a positive efficiency player. It just isn't the, the crazy marks it normally is. So, Dame has been struggling, but then you see him in All-Star Weekend, and he's taking a bunch of pull-up half-court threes making them all, and you're like, hey, it's just a matter of time until he gets hot. It's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time until it is Dame time. So I really like the gravity. I would really like to see it in the playoffs this year on a high-end team like the Bucks. the ability to pull players away from the paint and then work off Brooke, work off Giannis, Chris Middleton. I think that if they can get everything clicked in, I think they might have shot themselves in the foot by signing Doc Rivers as their coach. I think they had a chance to figure it out, kind of a veteran team, but that's such a bad move. Um, Damian Lillard hopefully can get hot and just kind of overcome that obstacle as well. Uh, Number 10, LeBron James. So LeBron is a weird player because he's a lot worse than he used to be but he's still better than most of the players in the league where I was thinking, I was like, is LeBron not a top 10 player anymore? It doesn't feel like it. Like you watch him play night to night. He's still putting up numbers. The playmaking's still good you know, at the rim. He's still very good. He switched from, he basically doesn't isolate at all anymore. He can't really do it. He's very ineffective when he does, but he swapped those out for being off ball more, more catch and shoot threes, more cuts, and he has been, I don't know about more cuts, but just devastating on cuts. He's been really good on catch-and-shoot threes and has shifted his role somewhat to being more of an off-ball player. Obviously, still an on-ball guy, but the isolation has really gone away. There's more post-ups. It's a a slower, kind of more methodical game on-ball, and then off-ball really timing up those cuts. It really, really had an elite rate and then the, the non hesitancy to shoot catch and shoot threes because in the past prior he would try to hunt for a better shot where him on like a pretty decent catch and shoot look, he would maybe pump fake that try to drive try to create something else off it. Now I think he's kind of, un, you know, he's kind of like, okay, I get where I am now physically to where I'm not always going to be able to make a better situation out of this. So he's just taking those and he's making them at a really good clip this season. So LeBron's uh, ability to move to more of an off-ball role – He's doing it really, really well, so that's great. And then defensively, there's always going to be some amount of defensive value out of him because it's just a side and still, you know, pretty good athleticism, transition game. You know, tries to get as much value as he can out of that. You can see whenever there's like a even like a tip ball before it's even recovered, he just takes off down the court because he realizes the possibility of that situation. So he really tries to maximize the transition opportunities, and he's remained really effective. So, LeBron. It's like he shouldn't be a top 10 player anymore, especially at his age, but he still is, which is pretty crazy. I guess that's why he's probably the best player ever. So after that, we got Durant at 11. I'm going to recap just because we're partway through list. So Curry at 6, AD at 7, Kawhi at 8, Damian Lillard at 9, LeBron James at 10, and then now we have Kevin Durant at 11. Durant, just another crazy eye-popping season. Really great shooting. Playmaking has been pretty good. And has kept the the Suns afloat, especially early in the season, when Booker missed some time, Bradley Beal missed a lot of time, and when your team is a three-headed monster, it's really tough to deal with injuries. So, roster construction aside, you know, that could be a whole other podcast. Kevin Durant has been excellent this year, continues to be excellent. It's crazy that he tore his Achilles. It doesn't really make sense that he's able to be as effective as he is still. Like you looked at Kobe versus Durant post Achilles it helps that Durant's a lot taller but geez so Kevin Durant doesn't have the same juice that he did prior like 2019 playoffs Kevin Durant I think is the brightest light I've ever looked directly at but post injury still really good years really good numbers the skill level is at a pretty absurd point where like there's just not a lot of players that have ever been at this, uh, it's, you know, it's funny. Kevin Durant doesn't get the is he the most skilled player ever? He does not come up in that conversation, which is strange because he might be the best mid range shooter to ever live. He's a great three point shooter. His ability to handle at his size doesn't really make any sense. I think it, I, I want to go back to that. Hold on, I want to go back to that mid range shoot, like just raw percentage wise, he might be the greatest mid range shooter ever. I don't know. It just seems like, you know, it kind of comes down to like the, you're starting to see this with Aaron Rodgers. I think people just don't really like Kevin Durant's personality. He just sort of doesn't, he just rubs them the wrong way for whatever reason. And you start to see this with Aaron Rodgers, where like people are trying to backtrack and talk about how Aaron Rodgers, you know, if you didn't win a Super Bowl or maybe you shouldn't want all those MVPs. And it just comes down to people just don't like their personalities, and their personalities are very different. But you'll see when People like players historically, they're gonna bump them up rankings, and when they don't like them, they're gonna bump them down. And I don't think you should do that, because <laughs> that's not the point of the ranking. Like you wanna make a likability ranking? Sure, I don't care. But in terms of how good a player is, especially just generally right now, that really shouldn't factor in. I know it does to everybody. I know we're all we all have players we like, we don't like, we have playstyles we like, we don't like, but that definitely i notice it with Durant historically. Oh yeah. I think some of that is changing teams. People didn't like that, but it's the damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you stay, it's like, oh, you didn't you you just you didn't want to get out of your comfort zone and you just wanted to make big money and da-da-da-da. And then if you go to another team, it's like, oh, you just you couldn't you couldn't do it alone. You had to go do and it's just you can't you can't win. <laughs> you can't win in these arguments if you're a player. No matter what you do, people will criticize you. So Durant at 11, the shooting is still just unbelievable. And we'll see. It seems like the playoff effectiveness is down a little bit the last couple of years. Still really good, but down a little bit. And we'll see what that kind of bears out this year with Phoenix. I'm interested if that was more of a, a situation with, like they played the Celtics in the first round and it was basically Kyrie and Durant versus another team and didn't look as good in that series, but you have to wonder how much of that was, well, the Cel- that Celtics defense was insane. They went to the finals that year I think that was 22. Could be wrong about that. And then how much of it was, well, there's only two players on this team really that are – that effective and neither of them are exceptional passers so that you know that's going to lead to some problems but moving on jimmy butler at 12 this season has been kind of ho-hum for jimmy butler but i've just gotten to the point where you just can't keep doubting him because he keeps going to either finals or eastern conference finals. Like I don't know how many years he has to do this until like part of me is like I think he should be in the top 10. I think he's there. He has to be there. But then when you make the ranking, it's just really hard to get into the top 10, only 10 slots. But Jimmy I cannot bet against him anymore because he's had too much success over the last 3-4 seasons where it just feels It feels like we forget about him and then the playoffs come and then they just keep winning games and it's him and Bam and a bunch of guys that are like solid where the credit has to go somewhere. And I know a lot of the time it goes to Spolstra, which is I don't have an issue with that because he does seem to be a very good coach, but coaches can only affect the game so much where like you do have to have the talent because if that wasn't the case, Popovich would be coaching up all those 20 year olds to some playoff wins, and he's not. So, yeah, the Jimmy Butler thing is, it doesn't really matter. I think I put this in the article. It doesn't even matter what my argument is because people have already decided on him. He's been in the league long enough. He's like 33 or 34, where if you don't believe in him still, I don't, he can't do anything more on paper, I guess, other than win a championship. I guess you could do that, but he's done everything else. And in terms of playoff success, which does matter more than the regular season. And then that's that's really the whole thing where I'm not going to change your mind. Either you've come and you've seen the light of what he is, or you haven't. And that's just it is what it is. After that, we have Tyrese Halliburton at 13. So Halliburton is a really good young offensive player. I was a little skeptical when he was on Sacramento. I was a little nervous about the lack of extreme athleticism for being a really high-end player. But that seems to not be an issue. The playmaking is insane. The three-point shooting unbelievable. Doesn't really turn the ball over. It it I don't I don't really I don't understand. Like I kind of want to poke some holes in his game because I mean everybody has shortcomings. He's a pretty bad defender. But his ability to control an offense and repeatedly generate really high-quality shots for teammates as well as himself. Because I I was wondering, like, okay, maybe he's going to turn into, you know, like a primary ball handler that has the ball in his hands the entire game, but it doesn't have the crazy scoring pop. But that doesn't really seem to be a problem. And again, the three-point shooting, really, he's another, like, developing gravity guy. The ability to pull defenses away from the basket where, man, it's just – it looks really good. I have him at 13, and I mean, it's weird because Anthony Edwards gets a lot, a lot, a lot of love online, and I'm like, of all the young players in the league, it's like Tyrese Halliburton, is, he's clearly better right now on offense, clearly better. doesn't have the same highlights. That's, that's the thing. If you look at Anthony Edwards' top 10 dunks, ooh. <laughs> but if you just look at overall offensive impact, O LeBron, or you just watch the game, the ability to control – you know, possession after possession and create really good shots for your team, whether it's yourself or others. Tyrese Halliburton has Anthony Edwards beat. Like, it's not close. It's, they're not close. Like, Halliburton's just on another level right now. Uh Number 14, Devin Booker. So Booker's a weird guy because his, he has excellent shot making. He has good playmaking. I've talked about this a ton. I think the playmaking just from like an assist standpoint is a little pumped up just because of his role where they don't really have a primary point guard. So it's him. I think ideally you have him off ball more one, because I, you run into some like turnover issues and just lack of, kind of smoothness, I don't know what I'd say, in terms of running an offense with him, when you try to ratchet up the usage too high, but then also you lose some of the off-ball game that he offers, because him working off screens, like he's one of the best players in the league coming off screens, whether that's catching it and spotting up, or catching it off the screen and then making something happen, attacking, moving the ball again, you know, settling for a mid-range jumper, whatever. occasionally getting to the rim. I really, really like him coming off screens, and it's just one of those things where the more you have him on ball, the less he can do that. So I know they have like a wonky roster construction there in Phoenix, but Devin Booker, really good scorer, bad defender, definitely got to put him in the bad defense, like of the the top guys, right, that we're talking about, like top 20 players, Luca, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker. Those are like in like the they're very bad defenders, <laughs> so that does hurt their overall rankings. I'm someone that I lean way more towards offense than defense, and then also like what position you're playing. So, Krishna has been on the podcast, we've talked about this where you know, one through five, the defense becomes way more important at the five spot, and then as you the smaller you get, basically the less important your defense is, it, it still all matters, but also. There's just going to be times where you're going to have one to two guys on the court that just aren't great defenders. But it's okay because the trade-off is you get the offense. And we've seen in basketball, offense just is more important than defense. So it makes sense to lean that way. So Devin Booker, really good shot maker. Just one of the best shooters in the league. Not, Not just from three, obviously, but from two as well. Good touch. Very high confidence player, which helps when you have that play style. And you went supernova in the playoffs last year. That was one of the hottest shooting streaks I've ever seen. So the ability to do it against really tough competition when it matters, when the lights are the brightest, that's a huge indicator. Actually, I think I had him higher in the initial rankings. I think I ended up moving him down. I have him at 14. That feels right. Where, you know, you do, you do have to take the bad defense into account. You do have to take the like, good playmaking, but maybe a little bit artificially inflated playmaking into account just, be, again, because of the role that he's in. And, uh, like, it's not to – I feel like every time I say that, it's it's just taking credit away from. That's – which, I mean, I do want it to do a little bit. But, I mean, also I talked about I think his more optimal role. The problem is, like, him, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant – are are all sort of they're off ball, on ball guys. I don't know what the phrase would be. There needs to be I don't know, maybe we'll develop a, a role for this where you have like your primary ball handlers, which are live dribble guys that have it for you know eighteen seconds of the shot clock, live dribble moving around, delivering the ball, and then you have your they're like their wings that have the ball a lot, I guess is how I would like to describe how I ideally see Booker being used. So it's uh it's great that he's filling in for that primary ball handler, running the offense, getting more assist numbers. Cause it's nice to have players that can do that, even when it's not their primary thing. But it's just I wonder if he was in a more optimized role. If I wouldn't maybe view him a little higher if I had him maybe set about 14 maybe at 11 but again it's really hard to to kind of move things around here in the top 20 because you kind of have to go legacy versus developing like what's going on this year after that we have Jason Tatum at 15 <laughs> pretty funny I did not realize <laughs> when I did this but when I wrote the article there's a little like a little like blurb or sentence on every player and a fair amount of them were um It could be maybe taken in the wrong way or negative or whatever it may be. So I just generally, or I don't know, I've gone back and forth on this of how negative I want the work I do to be because you want to be honest about things and you want to be frank, but also there's so many people being negative for the sake of being negative because it does well. That I actively don't want to do that, so I rewrote quite a few of the blurbs to be less, <laughs> less negative. But the Jason Tatum one is—I've gotten multiple comments are like, "This is the only guy you said something negative about." I will say, I will. No, nah, that's not true. If you go all the way down in the article to the Shangoon. Little blurb. That one is also negative. So weirdly, I went through because enough people brought it up to where I was like, is this the did I only say something negative about Jason Tatum? But no, I said something negative about Tatum and Shangun. <laughs> so that uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's just kind of funny. Basically what I said though was Devin Booker, or not Devin Booker, <laughs> Jason Tatum, he's been the best player on the best team for a number of seasons and they haven't won at all. So it makes you start to ask questions, which I think is a very, very fair In terms of negativity, I think that's fair to say, because everyone's like, Jason Tatum's this top five, top 10 player, and Jalen Brown's also top 20, top 25. And I've said this before on the podcast, I don't know how many times more I have to say it, where if you got like a top five guy and a top 20 guy, and you got this loaded roster full of these amazing players that can do all these things, you got glue guys, you got defenders, you got rim protectors, you got three point shooters. At a certain point, it's just not adding up why they haven't won a championship yet. If your team is this great, Someone's wrong about something. So I think we're both wrong about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I have Jalen Brown at 41 in my rankings, and I feel really good about that because all of a sudden it makes a lot more sense. Because okay, we'll say Tatum's a, a top 15 player. That's pretty darn good. He can go head to head on any given night with any player I've talked about in this previous on this podcast previously, right? Like that's I I don't I don't doubt that. But Jalen Brown, he's just not that good of a number two. He's just not. He's just not. He just plays on Boston. He plays with a a really good roster around him. We're getting kind of off topic, but when you have a guy that's capable of going head-to-head with the other best players in the league and then you have a not very good number two, this is kind of becoming more of a Celtics thing than a Jason Tatum thing, but I'm going to bring it back. That's much more realistic in terms of like, is this team going to win the championship? He's like, I don't know. Because again, Tatum can match players, but if you're going into a playoff series and you just get to pick from a pool of players, you're going to pick Jason Tatum over Stephen Curry? I don't think you are. I don't think most people are. I don't think, I don't know what the zip code of the New England area is, but once you get out of that, once you get out of that county or whatever, I don't know what the designation of what New England actually is, but. I, I, I'm I'm just the self the self-created shot making just is not good enough out of him. One of the things that makes Jason Tatum so good, great defensive player, unbelievable catch and shoot three-point shooter. Unbelievable. The ability to get to the rim and finish can do a lot of great things, attacking closeouts, it's unfair. But when it comes to Tatum in isolation pull-up shooting, it just, it's very good, it's just not very great, so compared to the other top guys, I just don't feel good about that, because I mean, it's an old-school take, right, it's an old-school take, but towards the end of the game, like quarters two and three, Jason Tatum in the flow of the game, helping on defense, hitting a catch-and-shoot three in transition, get into the rim, get into the free-throw line, in the flow of the game, going to put up some numbers. But fourth quarter crunch time, you got to like make something happen, three possessions in a row, isolation, pick-and-roll ball handler isolation, maybe a post-up. Here's the thing. It's not that I don't have a desire for Jason Tatum to fail. I don't. I yeah I know I'm a Laker fan, but I I don't I he seems nice enough, but and the post up numbers actually have been really good this year. I don't know if that's something in the playoffs this year they're going to lean on. Maybe more in crunch time. Maybe he's better in the post than face up you know to the basket. But until we see his ability to close games consistently over a playoff stretch, I. Have trouble putting him over the Durants, the Jimmy Butlers, the LeBron Jameses of the world. Just that simple. I I just, I struggle to do it because I don't believe it's true. (laughs) Um, But let's move on. De'Aaron Fox at 16. We got two more. We got De'Aaron Fox and Jalen Brunson. We got De'Aaron Fox at 16. So, Fox, you know, really great year last year. Unbelievable at the rim and in the mid range in the playoffs played well i think did he break his finger he did something to his finger and that kind of that hurt them in their series against golden state that crazy seven game series Uh, that was also a tough draw playing golden state in the first round but De'Aaron fox really good last year this year starts out the year looking like an mvp candidate then cools off and that was uh, a little bit disappointing he is a very good offensive player weirdly the three-point shooting has taken a crazy jump that's always not been his game and then this year i think it's year seven all of a sudden it's just like a knockdown pull-up three-point shooter which is weird the mid-range game has regressed this year but he's replaced that with three-point shooting so his overall efficiency hasn't really spiked or anything but that was interesting <laughs> um so again Still really great driving, finishing. Now has a three-point game. The playmaking is good. He's a good player. He just isn't at that crazy level he was at at the beginning of the season. So hopefully you know he has time a few more weeks here to kind of ratchet it back up for the playoffs. But really dynamic offensive player. He has looked really good. The Kings have been good. And I don't know. It was tough for him. So there's A-plus tier, A, A A-minus. For a lot of the the building of this uh of this rankings, I did have Fox and Brunson down a tier. I had them in the A minus tier. But I watched a lot of De'Aaron Fox early in the season, and I do think he can kind of get back to that super high end level. So Part of it is I guess there's a little bit of projection. I don't know if it's projection or just like retention or retaining. I don't know what the word would be. Getting back to where he was. <laughs> um, I believe he can do that and be in this tier with these other A players. But really like his offensive game a lot. His D-Lebron actually higher than it has been in a, a number of years. Some of that, like I know he's a, a smaller guy. But some of those, those D-Lebron seasons, especially early, I feel like almost shouldn't count. He was on such bad teams. Uh, number seventeen, Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is another guy where, again, I had him in that A minus tier. I bumped him up because the shot making has just been so absurd. He's a guy; his poise unbelievably elite, and I really can't wait to see him in some big time games in the playoffs this year. He gives you; he does give you some passing in playmaking. It's not super high volume, but it is a part of his game. This is like where you start to get to like these, these guys lower down the list where like, like LeBron James passing is just like unbelievable. Steph Curry's passing is still really good. When you start get down to like the Fox and the Jalen Brunson's and then the next tier of like Donovan Mitchell, like the the scoring is good out of them, but the, the playmaking is um, a little bit lower just in kind of like terms of like volume and effectiveness and, just kind of overall playmaking impact. So, Brunson, he's playmaking, the playmaking talent here at basketball. Nick's doesn't love him a lot because the shot quality he generates for teammates is not very good consistently, like I think over like a number of years. So, that does ding his playmaking a little bit, but the three point shooting has become really a good, good weapon out of him since he's become a Nick. The mid range game, fantastic. The floaters, his speed, his change of pace, his ability to hit tough shots consistently. There's a lot to like, again, in terms of like controlling possessions, very, very good at that. Knows where to go with the ball. Makes a lot of like well, smart decisions, I guess, on offense, just in terms of execution. So really like him a lot and has played himself into this A-tier. So that uh, recaps it. So just recapping the last few we went over, we had Jimmy Butler at 12, Tyrese Halliburton at 13, Booker at 14, Jason Tatum at 15, Darren Fox at 16, and Jalen Brunson at 17. Again, if you want to like just look at all this, there's an article. It's much easier to digest the, the picture, and then you can scroll down and just read a little bit about players, a couple stats there for you. But yeah, this is part two of the my what was it mid NBA midseason. I don't remember what name named the article. Player rankings in the middle of the season, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, all right, uh, if you want to talk about this at Taylor Metrics on Twitter, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.